Okay, here we go. Hi, everyone. Um, you are being joined today uh, by my new friend and uh, social media stranger, I guess, uh, Alyssa Fox. Alyssa is the Senior Director of Partner Marketing for Alert Logic, um, and I'm looking forward to learning about uh, who you are and what you do, Alyssa, and thank you for uh, giving us your time during the, the quarantine uh, to talk with, <laughs> talk yeah. with my students. Yeah, it's I, I got you at a good time. Oh, like, what else are you gonna do? Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, yeah. Thanks for being here. So, I don't really know anything about you or your company, and um, like I said, I'm lear interested in learning more. But to to the students, I want to say that. This is uh, this conversation that, that we're having, this point of connectivity is just a testament to people willing to uh, network and make themselves available to other people, especially you know in times of crisis such as the one that we're experiencing. I believe it was the Daily Carnage Facebook group that I connected with you on. Uh, Facebook? Is that what yeah. you said? Yeah, uh, was it the Daily Carnage group? Yeah. Yeah, that's what I thought. Okay, so. Uh, yes. Yeah. Okay, so like this just happened to be a group of, of marketing professionals and communications professionals and some designers. And uh, I put the call out there and she kindly responded. So don't be afraid to just kind of put yourself out there and be willing to have conversations with people, right? Yeah, it's great to meet new people yeah. like this. Yeah. So, uh, Alyssa, I don't know if you're experiencing a lag on your end. I've got a little bit of one. A little bit. A little bit? Okay. Hopefully, uh, it will work itself out. Should I lose you, um, I'll keep the Zoom meeting open, and you can just boot back in. Still there? Like right now. Okay. Hey, okay. Back? There we go. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. So we're still recording. There's no problem there. So tell me a little bit about who you are and what you do. How did you, how did you get your start in marketing? So great question. I actually started my career in technical communication and I worked, I've worked for software companies my entire career and um, I was writing So um, I spent probably 15 to 16 years doing that, and then um, I got into content strategy, and um, I was starting to learn a lot about enterprise content strategy and how did I tie in marketing content with technical content with um, professional services content. I was very interested in how do we make a cohesive experience for all of our buyers, our prospects, our users um, across that content ecosystem. So that's how I ended up in marketing um, just okay. a few years ago, actually. I've only been in marketing for about three years um, through content strategy and I've been different flavors of marketing ever since. So, um, but it all kind of goes back to content for me because we use content in everything. And that's, that's kind of my, my passion. And okay. um, I really love the fact that everything in marketing sort of comes back to that in many ways. Yeah. So tell me about, uh, so tell me about that, that content marketing aspect of things. What do you really love about it? Uh, 
Can you elaborate on that? Sure. Um, first of all, I just love creating content. I've always been interested in writing. Um, I've obviously done technical writing in my career. I've done creative writing when I was younger. Um, I just love the idea of just like sitting down with a blank, well, what used to be a blank piece of paper, now a blank screen and just right. coming up with something that people might be able to use. So um, I really like just that very starting point of it. And then going beyond that, I, once I heard about content marketing and started getting involved in that, it amazed me how a well thought out strategy for that and a well thought out plan could really actually drive leads and then revenue in a, in a mm -hmm. company. I mean, it just, I, I mean, I'm still fascinated by the fact that that is possible, you know, that somebody can sit down and write like an ebook or something and put some cool graphics in there and really tell a story about how we might help you with a, a problem that you're having. And people are like, oh, they read that and then they want more. And then you get to create more <laughs> content. Um, and then actually be able to measure, you know, the efficiency of that and the usage of that. And um, I, that, that's really one of the reasons I wanted to move into marketing. I wanted to be closer to the, the business side of things mm -hmm. and um, really show other people in the organization, especially the C-suite, that content is a big driver and a big deal um, and, and truly a business asset. So that's yeah. it. I mean, the, my love for content just pops out everywhere. I, I'm so glad to hear that because uh, so this class I'm teaching is, is brand management. And one of the things that I'm trying to convey to them the most is that in order to manage a brand you have to understand the whole the whole of it the soul right um you have to understand all of the aspects about it and how people perceive it and once you know that you can access it in unique and different ways um but it also is fed and substantiated and grown through content marketing so you do things mm -hmm. you you put that brand into effect using specific tools and techniques and stories that enhance it. It's not just a, there's the brand, let's make an ad and there you go. It's like everything is very strategically done. So when you say absolutely. coming, co connecting to the business side of that, that creativity, I absolutely get that because I, I'm a strategist and that's where mm -hmm. I kind of thrive. And then manifesting that strategy through specific content it mm -hmm. it just wraps everything up together really nicely so yeah, absolutely uh, you can't have a brand without the content right i mean you right. have to have the content there to support it or you have no brand i mean that's what right. it boils down to yeah and, and if you're not developing those types of assets then you're just kind of floating around and if something happens by accident like that's your brand by accident there's no design <laughs> there or strategy at all so, you know, with, with the, the marketing and design students I have, like, I'm really trying to push them to harness and channel their creativity and output it into ways that, that you prefer in that, that content marketing uh, sort of output. So what, what is your process like when you're developing, I don't know, an ebook or a, a blog post or a white paper or something like that? Well, Unless it's a trade secret. 
<laughs> not a trade secret, but I will okay. say that my, right. my process is different from my current company's process at this point. <laughs> We're, we okay. are definitely building that. Um, it's a work in progress. But um, so my, my process is, first of all, starting with the business goals. Um, you have to understand what the, the goals of your organization are before you ever start talking about goals for content. Because mm -hmm. you can have a number of your content, but if they don't line up with what you're trying to do with your business, um, then you're going to be creating content in the wild, so to speak. So understanding the business goals and then making sure that you set goals for the content that are in line with that. And then once you have that, then you have to start looking at what are the pieces that fit into the, the strategy that supports those goals. So, um, you know, when we talk about content strategy, something I want to emphasize is that a content strategy is not a content plan. A content plan is part of the content strategy. But so many times I talk to people and they're like, well, we've already planned out what we're doing for the next three months. We have our strategy. That's not a strategy. Your strategy also involves things like who is your audience? At what point in the buying cycle are you going to use this piece of content? Mm -hmm. um, how can we atomize this content to use it as many ways as possible? What is our end-to-end -end workflow? You know, how do you request a piece of content and how do you uh, work through that process to get it approved and then published and then um, reviewed at a certain uh, period of time. So that's obviously a lot of components. Right. She'll be back. Well, Hopefully. Did we lose you? I might have lost you. So if you're, yeah, so if it, once you get that, then people start going, oh, wow, this does make a difference. Tell me more. And so right. you kind of like hook them with a, with a calendar and then you start building <laughs> in the other pieces. And another thing I always tell people is strategy is not one in components and in place to be able to create and review and distribute and publish that content like you need. But that doesn't mean you don't have anything in place. So start somewhere. Um, that's that's probably the best advice I could give as far as like starting your process at this point without getting mm -hmm. into you know a zillion details of, of what that looks like. But start small for a small win. Evangelize, 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 and then start building out what it looks like for your process and approval for creation of that content. And uh, so I'm glad you defined that because with with what we're doing. So right now. Um, we are developing a rebrand solution, a rebranding solution for a small town in Pennsylvania called Hermitage. Uh, they've got about 10 to 15,000 population, but of that population, it's mostly uh, middle to upper income uh, professionals. So it's an area that's mm -hmm. seeing a lot of investment. And our work with their municipal government isn't just, here's a new logo, it's everything it's all encompassing so what's your what's your brand strategy as it relates to internal stakeholders external stakeholders how are we bringing people in to stimulate economic development you know who does this branding work who does the brand strategy work after we leave you know and godly knows what happens with a mm -hmm. content strategy uh let alone just communications <laughs> in general like it, ultimately, it's like this specific problem just begets more questions as time moves on. And ultimately, what you're doing is you're, you're engineering a system. And, and that's part of the content strategy. Right. So you're pulling in the demographics and the user profiles. You're looking at 
you know, the best times to release content and, you know, drilling down to a very detailed level, not just, yeah, we're going to set it out on this day. It's like, no, at this day and time, because our analytics tell us this is the best time to launch content. So it's all, it's all very informed. Absolutely. Yeah. And, um, like, like I said, that strategy piece is, is exciting to me because it's, it's not guesswork. It's very calculated risk work, but, um, you can develop and see the patterns. Yeah. And I, and yeah, and I like what you said about like going out and talking to the internal and external stakeholders because that informs what you're doing, right? If you just start banging out a strategy, and that's why I mentioned the business goals, if you don't understand the right. business goals or the organization's goals or uh, what people think is working or what isn't working, and you just go and throw out a strategy, it's not going to be the right one. So I like what you said about, you know, talking to the people that are, you know, probably working for the town, uh, people that are moving into the town, people that have been in the town for a number of years for your particular project. All of that informs what you're trying to do and where you're trying to go with that content. And, you know, the funny thing about it is that the clients, they themselves don't necessarily know this. Uh, and, and I'll speak general, not necessarily mm -hmm. on behalf of Hermitage in that respect. But there are times, and, and I'm just trying to convey this to my students, like there are times when you're making these decisions based, and they're informed decisions based on research and data. And um, the clients are just like, none of this makes sense. And it's like, do you even know what your business goals actually are? Well, yeah, we want to make money quickly and a lot of it. Okay. Well, that's all, that's all well and good. And I mean, you really see that with small businesses and startups and where mm -hmm. sometimes strategy just kind of goes out the window and they're more, they're more responsive than proactive in that respect. So uh, I'm curious, can you, yeah, tell but, me but you make a yeah, good go point there. Yeah. Please oh, go. Sorry, I was just going to say, you make a good point there. If they don't know who they are and what they were, are trying to do, you know, they, if they don't get that message and that story straight, then the content's not going to be where it needs to be, right? Because it should all flow from that. So that's mm -hmm. such an important piece to get right first. Yeah, and talk about just impossible to make content. It, it would feel rather schizophrenic. You've got different voices um, and different messages mm -hmm. and intent all across the board. Um, so just to switch gears real quick, what is it, what do you do? What is alert logic? What is, what is your company? What do they do? Who do they work for? And yeah. <laughs> so we actually, okay. So we, um, we're a cybersecurity company. We provide managed security services, um, around the area of detection and response. So what that means is, um, that we will watch your infrastructure. We have security operations centers, two of them. And we, so we have 24 seven around the clock service of monitoring your environment to watch out for threats, um, that could cause breaches in each type of attack. And we handle it for you. So, um, our target audience is typically small to mid market, some enterprise supplement, larger companies uh, security teams but the idea is that we kind of take that off your plate and give you peace of mind so that um, you can uh, not have to worry about your security okay okay and uh, what kind of stories do you like to tell what kind of content resonates most with that that content uh, I'm sorry not content uh, the cybersecurity demographic your industry really Right. So the cybersecurity market um, is, of course, a very um, 
active one, right? Everybody hears about these big breaches in the news. Um, everybody's worried that their data is being compromised. So um, that's, that's a pro and a con. It's a pro because everybody's thinking about security. It's a con because everybody's thinking about security and there's a zillion cybersecurity companies out there, right? right. So trying to differentiate ourselves from the masses um, has been interesting. So what we're really focusing on right now is um, the whole detect, managed detection and response story, which means that we can detect those potential breaches. We then respond to them um, so that you never have to worry about it from start to finish. So the whole peace of mind thing is what's really resonating right now with our, our buyers and prospects, understanding that, you know, if, if they have somebody watching their infrastructure for them, their environments for them, that we don't have to, and, and you've already gone through some fine tuning of your um, systems and environments, that if something comes in and we think it's suspicious, but we know it's actually, you know, something particular to your environment, we won't call you at 3 a.m. Um, and have to get somebody out of bed. Or if you don't have managed services and you're trying to do your own thing, that the IT person on staff uh, is not getting called out of bed at 3 a.m. on a Sunday morning. Um, so we're really looking at um, two aspects of that. And one is that um, that gap of uh, resources, whereas you don't have enough people um, or, or money to do all of the security stuff yourself on staff, or you don't have enough um, knowledge around what you need to be doing. For example, maybe you don't have a security team, you have just uh, a an IT manager that is more used to managing across the board, but are you so you don't have to hire somebody with all the ins and outs, and you don't have to, um, uh, you don't have to uh, do the other uh, on your own. We're here to help you. So, not to cut you off, but I did stop your camera because it was lagging a bit. So, hopefully, that will kind of resolve the issue that we're having. Uh, am I coming? I no, 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 no. Am I coming off fluid at all, or is it jagged? Yeah, you're a little jerky, but not bad. Okay. Well, I'm a full-on jerk, uh, so that would make <laughs> so, <laughs> that would that would make total sense. Yeah. I take it you're editing this part out. <laughs> no, nope, no, nope, no. Nope. I'll keep it in, and my students will be like, okay. hmm. "Yeah, he's, he's correct about that." Yeah. <laughs> you know, I've, I've noticed that on a, almost every call I'm on, everybody's saying, I think my internet's a little weird. I think because there's so many people, you know, working from home and trying to deal with yep. this, that it's, it's making everybody's a little slower. Yeah. 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 It's, it's kind of the same logic as um, why people are having a lot of plumbing problems right now. Um, <laughs> it, and it's because like the systems are being used constantly as opposed to mm -hmm. half the day or sporadically. Right. So everyone is yeah. on Zoom right now, or you know, everyone's using the toilet right now. That's a poor example. Or maybe both. <laughs> well, you know, you know, I think maybe a better comparison would be electricity. Everyone's using their electricity right now. Exactly. So everyone's gonna have higher bills and there's more strain on the power grid, et cetera. Right. So, um, but uh, coming back to, to what you were saying, um, we have uh, some students that may end up going into cybersecurity. Uh, mm -hmm. Correct me if I'm wrong, but my sense of things is it's a growing field. It's a growing industry. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, and it's growing uh, exponentially, uh, incredibly fast. Um, technology, in my experience, is... It, changes majorly every six months mm -hmm. um and even that might be gratuitous like it's probably even shorter like every three months i feel like maybe technology is changing so 
there's a there's a lot of technology happening very very quickly there are a lot of professionals and companies that are being started to take advantage of that growth um, so your industry is becoming bigger there are more competitors and you know as it relates to your work on the content side of things how do you differentiate yourself from your competitors through your storytelling that's a great question. Um, so basically with this managed detection and response messaging that we're uh, working on, in essence, basically that is a new category, considered to be a new category within the cybersecurity industry. Um, the, the analyst, which is who everybody typically looks to for, you know, kind of guidance and who should they go look at for a certain need that they, they might have in a certain area, um, are just now coming around to this MDR or managed detection and response um, concept. It used to be all about managed security services, managed security service providers. Now it's moving more towards that managed detection and response. So one um, thing that we're doing this year is really um, taking a strong stance on us being the leader in that category. Mm -hmm. um, we've basically been doing managed detection and response for almost 20 years. We just didn't call it that because that particular concept wasn't around. Um, okay. So that's something that sets us apart. Um, we have been doing that for a long time and we've, um, actually we're just about to release um, what we call the MDR manifesto. So it's loosely based on the idea of the agile manifesto. If you're familiar with agile marketing or agile software mm -hmm. development at all. Um, and it basically um, is going to be released to, it's meant to stir conversation and start talking about MDR and have people in the industry, including us, our partners, even our competitors are um, and people out there who have, the need for the services to start talking about what this is and what you need to have to be really considered an MBR uh, leader. And um, so that's one kind of unique way that, that we're doing it. We're actually putting together a virtual roadshow to go alongside with that, where we talk about the different tenets of the manifesto um, and really put some thought leadership out there. So that is probably the most exciting thing I've seen since I've been at this company. I've been here almost a year now um, mm -hmm. as a way to really kind of set ourselves apart. You know, sure, we could put another white paper out there. We could put another ebook out there like everybody else is doing, but putting a stake in the ground to say, this right. is the manifest that we're all going to talk about. It's kind of bold and daring, but at yeah. the same time, it's, it's different. You know, not everybody's out there doing that. You know, how excited I'm excited for you. Um, <laughs> I, I, so, you know, when, when you're an industry leader and you get to put your thought leadership into practice, um, you know, you, like you said, you're really putting your stake in the ground and you're saying, you know, this is the hill that we're going to die on if, if it comes down to it. Um, right. we're putting all of our ideological and probably financial investment into this and, um, you know, here's hoping it works, but of course you're not hoping because this too is a strategic response, uh, a strategic decision. Now, keeping that in mind, like, being able to be at the forefront and say, this is how it's going to work. This is how we're defining it for everyone else. That's an mm -hmm. exciting thing. You know, that's, I, I feel like that's the kind of game changing project that a lot of creatives uh, want to be invest, be involved in and would invest themselves mm -hmm. in. Cause you know, yep marketing you've been here i've been here like you can market the same things all the time every day every year and it becomes rote and cyclical um 
very rarely do I see like these types of projects actually hit someone's desk. So um, yeah. good, uh, good on you for, for being uh, a part of that. Are you nervous? Yeah, we're <laughs> a little bit. I mean, yeah. I, I, you know, like it's, it's bold and it, it could go one way or it could go the other, or it could go, you know, mm -hmm. to, to various degrees. Right. But I think just, even if we put it out there and everybody disagrees with us, we've still won in a sense because everybody's talking about it and Absolutely. stimulate, we are stimulating the discussion in the marketplace. And that is our goal of this, right? Because the more that we stimulate this discussion and, and the manner Manifesto itself, I mean, it says on the front page from the people at Alert Logic, but other than that, it doesn't talk about us and our services at all, which is the way it should right. be. Uh, so I'm really excited to see what kind of conversations we get around it and see how it does shape the market and what we're trying to do in the market for the rest of the year uh, and years to come. Well, it's disruption. It, it's very right. intentional and purposeful disruption. And, um, you know, if that's the intent, then you'll absolutely succeed in disrupting as to, as for what the result is, the fallout that can be kind of the fun part. So, how do you? Yeah. In, in one sense, it's like let's say it lands and it's a it's a big hit. What are some of the mm. the consequences of that? Well, you've inspired your competitors. You've inspired some cyber IT guy at X corporation to finally quit and start his own company and. You know, so there's all kinds of sort of results from that that you can mm -hmm. claim responsibility for, whether it works for you or, or against you. Um, but that's the yeah, risk. So, absolutely. But that's the risk of industry leadership, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. No big, no big risk, no big reward, right? That so, absolutely. Yeah. So, and I'm uh, fortunate to be somewhere. Oh, sorry. I was just gonna say, I'm fortunate to be somewhere that encourages experimentation, you know, so um, very much at the sweet right now between having enough budget to try things, but also not being so grounded in our ways that we can't try things. So that's right. been pretty cool, too. So I'm, I'm so glad you mentioned that because, you know, Alert Logic, they understand that they've got uh, quality service, the basics, they got quality service, great reputation. Um, but with that recipe, you need to be a bit risk-taking or, or risk-averse and just say, you know, um, we're going to do it. We're going we're gonna to stake our claim and try to level up the industry because by way of doing so, that makes our results better. Um, not all companies are willing to do that. Um, they're risk-averse in that respect. They don't, it's like stable, stability, uh, and yeah. slow growth. Um, but growth nevertheless, um, there is, uh, you know, one of the, uh, unfortunate perceptions I think with, uh, technology in general, especially it and, uh, not necessarily cybersecurity, but at least information technology services. The perception is they don't know how to market themselves. They don't know how to communicate. Um, anytime you have an issue with a computer technology, you have to contact an IT consultant. They have trouble communicating and things like that. There's actually a lot of really awful uh, and unfortunate stereotypes put against the technologies, uh, the various technology industries. Um, how, do you, how do you kind of get away from that? Oh, boy. Let's see. 
You know, I think a lot of this comes down to getting back to your brand management that you were talking about. Um, I really feel like, first of all, you need to have a really good website. That sounds so basic, but um, if you go and talk to someone and, you know, they just happen to hear your company name in passing or you meet them on an airplane or, you know, you meet them in the elevator, you know, hence the term elevator pitch and, and, and all you get out of it is, Oh, I do this for this company. You go and look at their website and their website is lousy and it doesn't give you the information that you need. I mean, mm-hmm. that's, that's their first interaction, you know, or maybe your second cause they met you, but the first interaction with your company and your brand. And um, I think just having, first of all, just looking like you have your act together across the board, whether it be, you know, your website, your website, plus your ads, your website, plus your social, plus your employee engagement, plus um, all of that. It, it it is obvious much more quickly than companies realize uh, that if that you have silos within your organization, because it shows so clearly Mm -hmm. on your, um, your uh, web properties, right. Or your social ones. Um, So that's, that's one way to do it. Um, Another is just to, you know, when you are planning out your content and stuff, ensuring that you are, providing a cohesive journey through your content. You know, you can throw 45 PDFs up on the website um, on the same page. And sure, people might read some of them, but if you're not actually walking them through, you know, oh, you read this, you might also be interested in this. And and then you actually provide a relevant <laughs> next piece of content. Um, right. People don't under always understand they're walking through that journey, but they're like, oh my goodness, how'd they know? And that because it was planned, it was thought out, it was structured um, versus just creating random content. And again, unfortunately, uh, or fortunately, it goes back to content strategy. That's so important in so many areas. A web page is content. An email stream that you send is content. All of that is content and all of that needs to be cohesive or you do get lost in the shuffle with everybody mm-hmm. else. Yeah, and so... Thank you for saying that because it, it's kind of rolling me into the into my next question for you. And I've got a, a few more and being conscious of your time. So this, the, the cybersecurity industry and its growth is reminding me of the additive manufacturing industry or 3D printing and how mm-hmm. like there, there are, it's kind of interesting because like with 3D printing, that industry, it's this, it's practically the same technology just being employed in different ways. And none of them are really able to market themselves really well insofar as like Mm. differentiating themselves from one another. And, um, I had just seen be, uh, because of the coronavirus outbreak, there's one company or maybe their students. I don't totally recall but uh, they're 3D printing their own respirator masks, right? Um, Yeah, and so like that's a really unique application that is relevant and it's going to put those people or that entity in a higher position in the industry because they're deviating from from the norm, right? (laughs) So um, taking their, they're like, also printing these and like they're going to give them away for free or something like that. But it, mm-hmm. it's making me think about how, how has the cybersecurity industry and maybe how has alert logic responded to um, the, the outbreak and cybersecurity threats that may come as a consequence mm-hmm. of that. Yeah, so the first the first step that I've seen most of the cybersecurity companies take, um, ourselves included, is really the focus on so many people working from home and 
how do you secure that? The more people you have working from home, accessing obviously company networks, infrastructures, environments, um, the more likely it is that there, first of all, it opens up more pathways for possible breaches, right? So it, um, you need more protection. Um, so protection around those endpoints, you know, your devices, your computers, your phones, that are, are accessing those um, particular uh, environments in a different way than they normally do because they're not at the office on the network, um, right. you know, locally. So that's, that's the first thing. Um, the other thing that uh, we're starting to see is, like you said, the, the potential for uh, misinformation or breaches around um, the coronavirus itself, which I don't know if you saw this, but the Department of Health and Human and services was actually hacked a couple days ago um, and providing false information about the outbreak um, and of telling course. people to stay home when they hadn't yet. Yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, things like, oh, it's spreading here. Now you're under shelter in place when they weren't yet under shelter in place and that sorts of things. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's an interesting and, and valid argument, in my opinion, for um, paying even more attention to security right now, you know, you can go either way in a time like this for what you're spending on security. One way you can go, oh my goodness, I need more security because the world is uncertain. We've got these people like attack the Department of Health and Human Services. Um, or you have the other side of the house, which are like, oh my goodness, I can't, I can't possibly spend on security right now. I've got to keep the lights on. Not quite mm-hmm. realizing that part of keeping the lights on nowadays is that security protection because you, you get one breach, it could take your whole company down, especially if you're a mom and pop shop or a small to mid-sized business. So um, primarily what I'm seeing is the stuff around the the working from home and providing free options to um, either extend a tool that you might have or or cover more of your your attack surface um, with that sort of thing. Um, and that I, I, I'm anticipating that over the coming weeks, we'll also see additional um, offers around free or discounted um, security tools, security services, mm-hmm. um, something a little more robust than just that endpoint protection. VPNs are going to blow up. Uh, if, yeah. if they haven't already, they, they absolutely will. As I mean, they're, they're so accessible, um, but there's plenty of them. So it's a very competitive field in that respect. But, um, you know, with, with your company and, and the work that you're doing, you know, you're asserting this, this thought leadership or lead, industry leader role um, well before this even happened. So mm-hmm. that's a good position to be in because you can help not just guide the narrative of the industry in relation to this outbreak, but also like essentially teach other companies how to do the right thing when it matters most. Right. Right. Um, so uh, I, I, you know, just from, you know, I, I think that's just a really important position to be in. Uh, it's, it strengthens your brand. It strengthens the quality of your communications. Um, it differentiates you from your competitors, but it also gives you an entirely different investment in your customers and the industry itself. So um, kudos to you guys. Uh, <laughs> well, thanks. Yeah, yeah. It, it, I think you hit the nail on the head with, you know, really making sure that you are taking care of the customers and the people out there. You know, this is... Mm-hmm. Uh, not not a time to try and go sell your wares. Um, yes. Sure, that doesn't mean there's no market for them, but it's a time to show that we are all in this together and really um, try to help our customers and our partners and our prospects because it is a scary time. And, you know, anytime you're talking scary time, security does come into play. Um, so 
you know, the message will, if the message is strong enough, I feel like it'll take care of itself, right? When it comes mm-hmm. to what you're doing around sales and all of that stuff. But um, it's definitely um, to our advantage, I think, that um, there, there are possibilities for how we can help people through what we do every day anyway. Um, so a, a brief anecdote, the, uh, the higher education field, totally mm-hmm. blindsided by all of this. Um, it's, it's been really interesting to experience this uh, as a person in higher ed and just kind of watching the fallout. Um, oh, I bet. Because we're an industry where all of our people, so like I'm at Pitt, there's like 10,000 employees, right? We're all at home right now. <laughs> yeah. All of us. And I mean, it just feels like this insurmountable sort of uh challenge to protect all of us i mean i'm at home and i'm probably not on a truly secure connection and you know fortunately you know for for our industry i would say that we do have some things that are of significant value particularly student records and you know since it's pit there's probably a lot of patented types of technologies that that we need to protect but otherwise it's like oh well you know some dude's gonna get into my class content like no big deal but um anyway i'll i'll let you know my my thoughts on that after the dust settles which who knows might be a year from now um so yeah yeah uh, i think there's a couple things with higher ed you know especially around oh sorry i was just gonna say um around security you know you know, because what you're talking about, like the student data records and stuff, I mean, yes, that, that could be valuable depending on who the hackers are. But what I, we are seeing a lot of in um, higher ed is ransomware. So being prepared oh, yeah. for, you know, a school system uh, dealing with the ransomware. And then the other thing I was going to note is that, like you said, not, not being really ready for something like this where your entire faculty and staff and, um, you know, students are all at home online. It's also a, a pretty cool opportunity for um, creativity. <laughs> You know, there's right. a lot of stuff going on with people having their kids at home and not just college students and trying to figure out the best way we can do this. And sure, we're going to have some hits. We're going to have some misses. But mm-hmm. um, it's been interesting to watch how people have come up with different ways to do online learning, you know, online exercise classes, you know, all just all kinds right. of stuff that they weren't really doing as much of before. It's testing the limits of practically everything. You know, yeah. that, that's the way I'm looking at it. So like, Everyone is using Zoom right now, so as a consequence, mm-hmm. we're just going to see exactly how much Zoom can, how much capacity it has <laughs> to, to hold these video conferences. Right. The internet, how, I mean, uh, how, how has the internet not collapsed yet? So I had heard that uh, uh, maybe it was in the UK, um, their government asked Netflix to uh, mm-hmm. compress the video down mm-hmm. a bit further so they're not sending high resolution or uh, ultra high def um, video to their subscribers. It's just like standard definition. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, at any rate, um, what, what sort of advice do you have for marketing students that are getting ready to graduate and enter, enter the field? Ah. Good question. Um, I think my best advice would probably be, you know, what makes you stand out? And I know that's not always an easy question. It's not an easy question for those of us seasoned in our career. But, um, you know, as a hiring manager, if I get 15 resumes uh, for, say, a marketing 
coordinator position. And I, 14 of them all say the same thing. And one of them says all the same things, but has been able to spin their unique capabilities in a way that shows me how they might solve a problem I would have. Um, that's going to be the one I want to talk to. So I think part of the hardest part of finding a job is marketing yourself, which ironically, we're talking about marketing students, marketing themselves, but this no, is the case for it, everybody, right? It's absolutely um, true. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to sit down. And I know when I was going through my job searches over the last uh, few years and I, when I had, you know, change careers to move into marketing. It's not easy to sit down and think, okay, what are my best, you know, talents that I can take from this previous career and shift them over? It's the same mm -hmm. kind of thing because you're making a shift as a student, right? You're shifting from student life to the to the corporate world or nonprofits or just the, the job world. Um, so thinking about what are the problems you want to solve in your career and being able to point your strengths to that and being able to tell that story is huge. And there's lots of people out there to help you. Don't try to do it on your own. Talk to the people that mm -hmm. know you best and get, get ideas around that and, and be able to build a story around who you are and how you can help an organization. I love the fact that you said, try to figure out what challenges you want to overcome in your career versus oh, just try to find an entry level job. You know, uh, I think if, if students were able to, and that in and of itself is a very hard question because they maybe not have, they maybe don't have the experience in understanding the full landscape of challenges that are put before them, right? Mm -hmm. um, so I, I love the fact that you said that because it is a differentiating factor and you can build a lot of capital for yourself operating in those unique niche spaces. Um, Absolutely. And, you know, just thinking about, for me, I was a tenured professor, right? And now I'm not. Like, I willingly gave that, I willingly gave up permanent employment so I could do new things and, mm -hmm. and face different and new challenges. And I think that, you know, for, for students that want a memorable, active career, they should focus on what kind of challenges they could overcome as opposed to just trying to find a job and staying in it for as long as possible. Yeah, absolutely. And back, I mean, to take this whole discussion full circle back to the beginning when you're talking about right. meeting me, you know, on social media and just asking for people to volunteer. You know, I think people are scared to reach out sometimes, but we have these social media, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, you know, all these abilities, Instagram even, to reach out to somebody and say, hey, you know, can you just talk to me about what partner marketing is? I have no yeah. idea. Can we just, I buy you a cup of coffee. And mm -hmm. to be honest, I just hired somebody in December that um, her mother-in-law had reached out to me. We worked together long ago and said, I, you know, my, my daughter-in-law is um, looking for a job in marketing. She's not really sure she wants to do. So she's trying to, I'm trying to put her in touch with people that are in different areas of marketing. Would you be willing to talk right. to her? So I talked to her and I was so impressed with her questions and her, how thoughtfully she looked at what kind of job she was looking for and stuff. I hired her and, you know, had she not reached out, had she not worked with her mother-in-law and asked for help with the networking, you know, she wouldn't have had this job. She might have another job. Sure. But, right. um, you just never know what that for you and and most people are willing to help some people you know just don't have time or whatever that particular point but uh, I highly encourage you to reach out to different people um, in different parts of marketing so you can get that uh, information if you don't have it and it sounds like your newest hire was very open to being mentored or was seeking a mentor 
Sorry, can you repeat? Oh, that? sure. Uh, I, I said, it sounds like your latest hire was very open to being mentor, having a mentor, found the value in that. Still nothing? All right, we'll give her a minute here. Said it sounds like my newest hire was very um, open to having a mentor. Is that what you said? Having a mentor, finding a mentor, yep. yes. Yes, absolutely. In fact, I connected her to, um, before I hired her, um, I connected her to another friend of mine who runs a product marketing organization um, and another one that runs a demand gen. So she was starting to meet, you know, learn about these different areas of marketing because what I told her was, because she's like, I just know I want to be in marketing. She was in sales and she wanted to get out of sales mm -hmm. and go back to marketing. And yeah. um, she said, but I'm not real. I said, well, there's a zillion things you can do in marketing, right? And um, so after she kind of did her rounds of talking to people that her mother-in-law hooked her up with and the people that I connected her to and then some, some others, um, that she had made on LinkedIn herself, she came back to me and she said, okay, I think I'm interested in partner marketing and product marketing. So she'd cool. done the legwork, you know, she, she had a little help along the way, but um, right. she reached out and because of that, she could narrow down what she wanted to look at. And um, then she ended up, like I said, getting a job out of it, you know, and I put it, I didn't like just give her the job. I put her through my normal, you know, team interview process and everything. Sure. Um, and, but everybody was so impressed with her uh, proactiveness and um, how thorough she was in her research of the company and the role and everything else that I was pretty excited too because you know I'm a, I probably wouldn't have gotten as good a candidate just getting a bunch of resumes off the internet mm -hmm. so um, doing your research and being able to connect what you've done in the past and who you are to that role and the challenges as I mentioned before is is a really quite a bit bigger deal than most candidates realize and you know that extrovertedness that she demonstrated it makes sense now because she was in sales and mm -hmm. sales absolutely forces you to be an extrovert, um, yep. but to also talk and engage and know your weaknesses and, you know, try to fill those holes as best you can. So that, yep. this is all really great advice. Well, um, we'll go ahead and, and discontinue there. I want to thank you so much for your time and uh, hopefully we can do this again in a, in a few months. And, and you know, Yeah, that'd be great. And, See, see where things are at. So thanks again, Alyssa. And um, if my students are interested in learning more about you and Alert Logic and cybersecurity, et cetera, how can, uh, how can they reach out to you or get a hold of you or learn more? Uh, sure. They're welcome to email me. Uh, my email address is alyssa.fox at alertlogic.com. Okay. So thanks for having me. Thank you. Okay. Take care. All right.